Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. I, I just want to challenge us all tonight with just a, a few little things. When you think of, I, mean, I want you to complete this sentence. When you think of David, you finish this phrase, David and... Noah and Daniel and Jonah and Samson and that's where we're going. We're talking about Samson tonight. And of course we know Samson is one, uh, is a very familiar one. And we always describe Samson as someone who was strong and we see his strength and all the things. Obviously I'm not strong because I don't have the hair he did. But that's okay. Tonight I want to highlight something else. Even though Samson was incredibly, remarkably, miraculously strong, he had a weakness that led to his downfall. Review the story with me tonight. Found in the book of Judges. Samson was born a Nazarite. Simply put, he was raised in a home with the strictest of standards for him. From what he ate to what he drank to who he could be with, not cutting his hair, not touching dead bodies, all of this kind of thing was wrapped into Samson's life. I want to insert right here that something my wife and I said. All right, how many of you guys love my wife? All right, just, just checking. Okay, all right, you guys better because, well, anyhow, she's awesome. Uh, something my wife and I emphasized in our workshop. Listen, standards are useless unless the heart is properly shaped. Okay, moms and dads in here, standards are absolutely nothing if you do not shape the character and build their heart. Do I have to say this word to you? Johnny Manziel. He may be the best, and he, I, I confess, very good base, football player, but something was wrong inside with character. Okay, and so that's what this point is all about. Gifted and skilled and talented yet weak in character means absolutely nothing. It's a little bit like this verse. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? See, that's what we're talking about. So Samson comes in contact with a woman that he goes and he tells his father, Hey, dad, go get her for me. Can someone say spoiled? Can someone say weak father? Now, I'm going to get some of you here. Listen to me. I'm thinking what he should have said after Samson said, Hey, Dad, go get her for me, man. She is one hot woman. Go get her for me. I'm thinking Dad should have said, Hey, Samson, that's really cool that you recognize there's another gender and all of that kind of stuff. But look, I'm your daddy. And I'm not going to let that happen. You know why? She was from a different tribe. She was not of the tribe that he was supposed to find a wife from. He was going places he should not have been going. He was doing things he should not have been doing. And that dad should have stood up and said, you ain't going to do that. Can I challenge you dads here this morning, or this evening, that if you have your children doing things that you know they shouldn't be doing, would you please be a dad and say, you know what, you shouldn't be doing that. And I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you go down that trail. I'm not going to let you go down that pathway because I'm your daddy and I'm in charge and I need to help you stop and follow God, not flesh. Are you with me? See, we're talking about family this weekend and I, I am so thankful my children married some incredible mates. 
I am so thankful for them. We prayed them in, and they were all pre-approved before any... Now, follow this. They were all pre-approved before a relationship began. I want you to notice the sequence there. Dustin came to me, and he said, Hey, Dad, Jamie's kind of cool. We talked about it first. Ryan came to me and said, hey, Dad, I'm kind of interested in this gal by the name of Kim. What do you think? And I said, cool, let's go for Kim. Steve, he came to me and he said, Mr. Bates, actually 11 years tomorrow. He said, Steve, he said, Mr. Bates, I want to meet with you at exit 129 Starbucks in Tacoma, and I need to talk to you. Did I know what that was about? Cotton picking, right, I did. <laughs> But we met at Starbucks and exit 129 in Tacoma, and he asked me permission to pursue my daughter, Lindsay. Brent came to me one day, and he said, hey, Pastor Bill, I really like your daughter, Casey, and I'd like to pursue a relationship with her. And I said, no. <laughs> I did. I'm not, I'm not joking you. I did. I said, I'm sorry, Brent. I don't think you're ready. And I said, I'm not, you're not ready until you do these three things. And I gave him three things to do. I talked about his job, I talked about his calling, I talked about his financial status, I talked about his life a little bit. I said, no. I said, when you get those things ready to go, come back to me and let's talk. Nine months later, he said, Pastor Bill, can I talk to you again? I said, you betcha. And he showed me, he showed me the stuff about his job, he showed me about his money, he showed me about his calling. He said, I'm ready to go. And I said, you go for it, bro. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm not trying to be a controlling dad, but listen to me. Maybe dad should take more control. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm just saying. And if you don't have a parent or your parents are divided in some way, find a respected couple that you can be accountable to. I believe that parents need to take a more proactive role in the approval of their mates for their children. Just saying here. I'm just throwing that in totally free. Samson, again, back to him. Another tribe was forbidden, yet he wanted her, so he got her. That relationship fails. As a re Actually, that relationship was hijacked by the brother. The brother stole her. So he goes to town. Guess what? He goes to town. To, he goes to town and he finds a harlot. Yep, I said that right. He finds a harlot. I mean, here's, here's a guy who was set apart, and he's going off the rails, guys. Why? Because of this flesh issue that he was dealing with. That's not what I'm talking about, but that was what we see obviously from him. He, then this, you know, he goes and, he, and this, he has this one night fling with this gal, and that's where he picks up the gates of the city and takes him up on top of the, uh, of the hill. He comes back down, and guess what? He finds another one. Different, wrong tribe again, wrong people, everything. Her name is... Delilah, now she enters the scene. But notice, she enters the scene after all of these other relationships. She, he finds Delilah, and Delilah's a traitor. Especially, she's a Philistine. The Philistines were a tribe up opposite of the Israelites. The Philistines throughout the Old Testament is a representative. Now, follow me, guys. This will, this will rock your socks a little bit. Philistines throughout the Old Testament represent the flesh. Where was Delilah from? She was a Philistine. She begins to woo him. Sings love songs to him. And I was trying to think of a good love song I could kind of dramatically sing up here, you know. 
you know, whatever. I, I'm sorry, but I couldn't. I, just, I was trying to think, you know. Anyhow, singing love songs and, and playing on his ego. And, and listen, what was she doing? Totally appealing to his flesh. Why? Because that's who she was. Okay? And that's who she represents. Follow me with every one of us. You see? Same principle here. And so uh, she says, oh, Samson, your hair, your body, it never smells. <clears throat> you had to be there and listen to Dustin and Jamie's talk. <clears throat> your body, you're so strong. Samson, what's your secret? There's already, now follow me, there's already kind of this emotionally relationship going on. Can I just ask the parents something here tonight? Parents, have you ever tried to reason with your child about a relationship after they've gotten emotionally attached? It's too late, isn't it? So therefore, again, dads, step in before there's an emotional attachment. Hello, but anyhow, let's move on. See, this is where it gets really crazy. Delilah, oh man, guys, I don't get this. Does anybody have things, something in the Bible you don't get? I don't get this. She lies to him three times. Now, first time on me, second time, follow me, third time she lies to him, said, oh, Samson, she keeps lullabying him and rubbing his hair and all this kind of stuff, and finally he gives in, now follow me, finally he gives in, and I mean, dude, Samson, what don't you get about this? The Philistines come in and do all the stuff, you know the story. Finally, he gives in, he tells her that it was his hair. The next thing you know, he takes a little nap. She cuts his hair off, calls the Philistines. The Philistines come in, and they capture him. They imprison him. They gouge out his eyes. They put him in this harness where he simply pushes this log in a circle with no eyes. He's pushing this log in a circle, and as he's pushing it in a circle, it's gradually grinding the grain that's in the middle, and he just keeps going, and that is Samson's life. Walking around and around and around and around. Are you following me here? Something stinks about that game. But we see that. You see, they begin to taunt and they ridicule him in the process. And the same issue that led to his demise, an issue that I'm seeing causing a huge problem in the body of Christ, and specifically, since we're talking a little bit about the home, I see it in the family. I know there's a huge sexual issue, there's a lust issue, and it's very clear, but I want to dig a little deeper. And I think it's the propensity for us to fall prey to compromise. You see that in there? There's a propensity for you and I as followers of Christ to fall prey to compromise. While he had taken the Nazarite vow, compromises began to come his way. He found foreign women he was not supposed to go to. He took the jawbone of a donkey and he killed the, the, the Philistines on the top of this mountain. He wasn't supposed to touch a dead body, but he did. The things that he drank, the, some of the things that he did, there was a propensity to compromise along the way. Uh, in this process, this compromise I'm talking about here tonight is a different compromise than what Jamie was talking about on Friday night. She was talking about a compromise, a give and a take, kind of like the husband gives $100 and the wife takes it. <laughs> We're talking about compromise, okay? There will always be that, working together, but we have to understand in a marriage, I may not get my way, but that's all right. This compromise is a compromise in my faith. And there's no real give and take here. It's the Bible says it, and that's it. Done deal. This is what the Bible says. See, listen to some stories. And these are true stories that, that, that I want to share with you. And here's the compromises. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts. 
Uh, tonight, these things may bring some conviction. I'm not here tonight to share these particular things to condemn anyone. But if the Holy Spirit convicts, I'm going to let that happen. All right? Holy Spirit convicts, but the enemy condemns. Now listen, follow me here. True stories that I've dealt with over my past few ministries, past few years. I'm leaving my husband and our two children. I know what the Bible says, but God knows my heart. He just wants me to be happy. Another woman who was recently separated said that she wasn't happy in her marriage, so she was going to go to Las Vegas with her boyfriend to seek God's will. A young person says to me, I love her so much, Pastor Bill, and I know that we're going to get married, so we're just going to live together to save money until we can get married. I know that I should be attending church on Sunday, but I really need the money that the second job offers. Oh, now it gets quiet. My kids, oh, this may get really quiet now, but I hear this all the time, guys. My kids love being in sports. It's just sad that their games are on Wednesday and Sunday, so they can't come to church. Or this one. This is a real sad one. I have the most awesome secretary, and we just have to meet alone in my office in order to better stay informed on the business. I could go on, but I think that illustrates my point here. Compromise is a slippery slope that leads us away from God. Any compromise will never put me in a position of receiving God's best. John Bevere says it this way, what's really going to deceive Christians in the last days won't appear as blatant evil. It is going to be in the form of good that is blatantly evil in God's sight. Same thing happened to Adam and Eve, didn't it? Great looking apple or pear or orange, whatever that was. Remember, it wasn't the fruit on the tree, it was the pear on the ground. Never mind. It was... Yeah, okay, glad you finally got that one. It wasn't the apple or the pear or the orange, what it was. What could be wrong with that? Easy. God said no. How about with Saul? Hey, let's save some of the spoils of battle so that we can have more to sacrifice to God. What's wrong with that? Easy. God said no. How about David? Hey, I'm going to number my troops so I can know just how strong my army is. What's the wrong with that? Easy. God said not to. How about Solomon? There are a lot of awesome women in the world. I'm, gonna, I'm the king, so what's the problem with having 700 of them other than that's really dumb? It was those foreign wives that led his heart away from God because they were unequally yoked. Guess what? Because what was so wrong with that? God said not to. Are you picking up what I'm putting down here a little bit? We can be so absorbed in doing what is good that we totally ignore what God said not to. Interesting, in the last days, what, what does it say is going to happen? Good shall become evil, and evil shall become good. I think we're seeing that coming about. Let me talk quickly here tonight. Four things that, brought about a, that happened to, to Samson as a result of his compromise. Number one, compromise blinds our eyes to what is right. What happened to Samson? Not only was he initially blind to the dangers, but as a punishment, he lost his eyesight. Have you ever heard this from someone with their head in their hands after they have fallen because they made a mistake? They do this. Why didn't I see that? Boom. Right there. 
compromise blinds our eyes to what is right. Why didn't I see that? The tendency once we start going down that wrong path is we lose all sense of direction and what is right and wrong. We can do it in our home. We can compromise our standards. We begin to compromise our dreams. We begin to compromise our goals. We begin to compromise our morals. And we're all doing it thinking that we see it as good, but it's not God. Secondly, we look at this parable together. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 Jesus tells a parable about the wheat and the tares, and in this parable he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Look at this phrase I've highlighted for you. But while men slept, the enemy came. And so weeds among the wheat. Second thought is on compromise. Notice, but while they slept, he slept, the enemy came. Compromise lulls us to sleep. What happened to Samson? What was he doing when he, she cut, cut his hair off? He was sleeping. You see, sin blinds us from the truth, then lulls us to sleep so that we begin to blame everyone and everything instead of looking in the mirror. As soon as God's spirit begins to convict, the enemy begins to whisper, it's not your fault, it's theirs. Go back to sleep. Or it's not you, everyone's doing it, it's okay, go back to sleep. It's not you, it's your family. You poor person, go back to sleep now. It's not you, it's the government. They're not paying you what, they de what you deserve. Just go back to sleep. You see, a compromise blinds our eyes so that we begin to go in the wrong direction. Then we get desensitized. Are you with me tonight? Okay? We get desensitized and we get numb. And then deeper and deeper into spiritual slumber. And I don't know about you guys, but it feels, it, it, sometimes, it, anybody have a hard time waking up? Sometimes we have a hard time waking up from our compromise. Because we enjoy the pillow and the blanket. We enjoy, oh, don't wake me up. what begins to happen to every one of us until we're so it's so difficult to awaken that we begin point three here we get in bondage you see what happened compromise puts us in bondage samson in captivity here he was just going around and around he was in captivity why because of his compromise it wasn't because of the quote philistines it was because his compromise follow me it was his decision by his volition he chose to compromise what he knew was not god as a result, it put him, now we sang it earlier, that he, wa he, he wants to be our chain breaker. He wants to set us free from our bondages. We, we sing that and we believe that. But friends, compromise puts us in that place of bondage. Everyone, we have a ministry in our church called Celebrate Recovery. Have you heard of it? It's a simply a Christian addiction recovery ministry. Fabulous ministry. We're seeing great results. God's doing some very, very cool things in it. It talks about everyone who has a hurt habit or hang up. Everyone I talk to, and I go in there on Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock, and I have dinner with them, and we chat about their lives. Every one of them tell me it started so small. It started so simple. It started so easy. And then it seemed like then I got caught, and there was no way out. Okay? I don't know what you, do you guys have blackberry bushes down here? You guys don't even know what they are except to eat, right? Let me tell you, blackberry bushes are from the devil. Okay, and here's why. Because the biggest and the most juiciest and the best blackberries are way back underneath the bush. And blackberry bushes have big thorns. 
okay? And so you're picking them, and everything's great right up here in front, and you're picking and putting in your... Then you see that cluster. And you get kind of like this. And, and you do everything to get that cluster, and you put one, and then you go, oh, no, my hand's full. Now what do I do? And you turn this way, and that bush gets you. Then you turn this way, and that bush gets you. But you've got your hand full of luscious, delicious blackberries, but you're caught. And look, listen, you can't get out. Uh-oh, let's go even further. You're there, and you've got all the goodies, but you can't get out because you're in bondage. You're stuck. Are you with me? See, compromises are just like that. Stop. We, are, we get in bondage to our thinking processes. Well, that's just the way I am. And we get stuck. We get in bondage. We get in bondage by condemnation. I'm such a jerk. I'm such a loser. I can't do anything right. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. Here we are. We're stuck. We're in bondage. We get stuck by vain imaginations. Everybody hates me. Or everyone knows what I just did. Our compromise. And we in, in, end up, here's the word I'm going to challenge us with throughout the rest here. We end up disqualifying ourselves and literally putting ourselves in a place of bondage because we feel so disqualified, we throw in the towel. I wish I could take time tonight to talk to you a little bit about Gideon. Didn't Gideon do the same thing? Because in the middle of the Amalekites attacking, what did, what did he do? He began to believe the lies. That I am the least of the tribes. I am the least of the, my tribe. The tri my tribe is the least of all of them. I'm the least of my tribe. God is not hearing my prayers. God does not care for, about me anymore. And so therefore, I'm just going to put my own self in bondage. And I'm going to hide in this hole. And hopefully, they will never find me. Are you seeing something? He was lulled asleep by the lies. His eyes were blinded to what really God was really doing, and he came in this place of bondage. I'm just telling you here tonight, we need to be so careful here. When we begin to believe the lies of the enemy more than the truth of the word, we end up blinded, in bondage, asleep, and we feel totally disqualified. Lastly, number four. Compromise cuts us off from our friends and family. What happened to Samson, guys? He had a family. He had a mom and a dad. He had brothers and sisters. But he was cut off all alone from the ones who loved him the most, who cared the most, who wanted to help him the most. Can I just be a little drastic and dramatic here? How many families have been torn apart by people's compromises? Are you with me? They compromise and they end up in prison or in jail or homeless or all alone. They've separated themselves from, listen, from the people they love and love them the most because of their own compromise. Here's the deal. We know we've messed up, so we feel this guilt and condemnation. So listen, we stay away from everyone. I think, Pastor Steve, I'm not sure if you said it, but what was said this week is that all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place that we don't want to tell everyone what we did because what will they think? But then we find ourselves telling people what we did, and they turn around saying, great, I'm among friends. You see, but what these lies do, they keep us in this position of never telling anybody what I'm going through, and then we end up isolating ourselves, and the more we isolate, the more we end up getting isolated. And the more we get isolated from our family and friends, the more that happens, the more depressed we become, and the more angry we become. Are you with me? 
See, we can see, you can see the progression. We see it in Samson. You see, we stay away from parties. We stay from event, away from events. We stay away from church. They all know about what I did. They, know all, they all know about what I felt or what I, what I said. They all know, and so that we stay away. Or we stay away because, well, they may find out. Can I just throw a phrase out that I say some, oftentimes to my church? You know what? We oftentimes do or do not things because of what other people may think about us. Can I tell you something? They don't think about us as much as we think they think about us. They really don't. They really don't. I mean, we dress a certain way because we want to look cool because we want to make sure everybody thinks about us the right way. They're not thinking about us. Just, that's free. Anyhow. Okay. So the more isolated we become, the more isolated we become. Period. Vicious cycle. See, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And it's so true. But I believe the emotion behind that, the driving force, is this thing called pride. And we see it very relevant here. Pride goes before a fall. Pride went before Samson's fall. What was his pride? I can do this myself. Have you ever said that? For our marriages and our relationships and our lives, we say it often, don't we? I can do this myself. I can handle this one time. Oh, but one time won't hurt. And we begin to think only one. I'm not like the others. They, well, they're kind of weak. I'm strong. I can handle it. And so this pride sneaks in and causes us to do that compromise thing. I, we put I before God. We put I before the word. We put I before what others may, may say, advice that they may give to us. You see, pride gets us there, notice, and pride keeps us there. For our marriages and our relationships and our lives. So what's the answer? Let's look again. And we'll close with this. Let's look again at Samson. Because I haven't told you the end of the story. In the last scene of his life, we find Samson requesting to be placed between two pillars. This is where the Philistines were having a large party. And he asked his servant, his guide, his friend, put me between the two pillars that hold this building up. In one last effort, he prays and says, God... Help me, listen, one more time. And with that, he pushes on these pillars. The, it destroys this whole building where the, all these Philistines were partying. And literally, the Bible says that more Philistines were killed that day than in the history of Samson. All right? Follow me. Three quick things here this evening. Number one, your life is never over. Would you please get this in your spirit tonight? You're, nothing is over until God says it's over. The people have often thought that it was over after a divorce, but life isn't over. People have thought after a bankruptcy or an illness hits them or some diagnosis of some kind, life isn't over until God says it's over. It's the power that Les talked about this morning. It's that incredible power of hope. I define hope as joyful expectation. No, nothing is over. Listen to this great verse. I love this, guys. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. It says, God did this so that by, listen, by two un unchangeable things. Somebody say unchangeable. In which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. Here it is. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. 
When temptation comes, when compromises present themselves, we have this anchor whose name is Jesus Christ that we can hold on to, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose again on the third day, and he gives us this everlasting hope, a hope that Les said this morning does not disappoint. We have it as an anchor. You think, I can't do this. I can't withstand. The Bible says, very simply, he says, no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God will, with that temptation, make a way for you to escape. Your life is not over. Your family is not over. Your job is not over. Your relationships are not over. Your finances are not over. It's not over until God says it's over. And he's not going to say it's over until you're with him in the sky someday. Then it's over. Follow me here tonight. We get caught and we get tempted. But let me tell you, there's a hope. As long as I have Jesus, I have hope. As long as I have one more breath in me, I have hope. Your life tonight, can I just say, shout it out to you? Your life is not over yet. Amen. Secondly, one more miracle is waiting. Oh, I feel the earth move under my feet. No. One more miracle is waiting. Pastor D preached it recently, and yes, I listened to my son's sermons. He's a, he's a great preacher. Dude, that guy's good. Anyhow, he made this statement, your setback is a platform for a comeback. Samson compromise set the stage for a miracle. The crucifixion set a stage for a miracle. Peter's imprisonment set the stage for a miracle. John's prison experience on Patmos set the stage for a miracle. We call it the book of Revelation. Your temporary lapse in judgment sets the stage for a miraculous comeback. A chance for God to show off in and through every one of us. And lastly, your, I like this. Oh, your latter can be better than your former. I don't care what age you are here. I'm almost over the hill. I can, I, that was a lie then. <laughs> I'll just go on. Ladder is better than your former. Can I tell you this? No matter what age we are here this morning, no matter what we're going through, what the compromises are that we're being challenged with, can I just tell you this this, this evening? God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Here's the closing illustration here I want to share with you. I'm going through personally, these guys have all been incredibly transparent. Can I be transparent? I'm going through a challenging time in my life right now. Just stuff going on. Just emotions and feelings and thoughts and stuff. A couple of weeks ago, I was praying. I said, God, how am I going to deal with this? And here's what God did to me. Does God do stuff to you once in a while? God did this to me. He said, hey, Bill, study the life and look at David with me. And I said, okay. And I looked at the life of David, and I realized in David, he was five foot eight, and he was staring across the valley at this nine foot six giant. And he said to this giant, hey, I killed a bear, and I killed a lion, and you ain't going to be no problem to me. And I looked at that, and I said, okay, what's the deal there? And I began to realize, as the Holy Spirit began to energize me with some thoughts and remind, bring me to remember some, some things. Five years ago, I had an interesting legal issue that was, if you want a good laugh, I'll tell you about it. But it was tough for me. It was a challenge for me. But God delivered me. God did a miraculous work in it. 
A little over a year ago, I, have a rent, I had a rental home, the, the, actually the home that my children grew up in. It burned down on March 4th, 2016, and the three children in, three, three children in that home died. It was a challenging moment in my life. Things that went on and insurances and attorneys and all these kind of things began to weigh heavily upon me. But you know what? God brought me through. And when I began to realize this thing that I'm in right now, I can say, and I can say it to you tonight, I encourage you with this tonight, that God helped me with my legal issues, and God helped me with my house fire, and this is going to be absolutely nothing to me. My gosh, my God is the same yesterday, and He is today, that He will be tomorrow. That's my God. That's who He is. My latter is going to be better than my former. My future days are going to be better than my past. And you can say with me tonight that my latter is going to be better than my former. That today, today, he is a God who changes not. He is a God who does not lie. He is a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. And in your life here tonight, don't be blinded. Don't be put in bondage with a problem of compromise. Picture with me here tonight, an athletic field. I have so many metaphors when it comes to athletics, it's pathetic. But you name your sport. Let's say football for the sake of illustration. The game is going on, and the game is just, it's just a great game. It's just a tremendous game, and, and you're sitting on the bench, and you're enjoying every part of it. Then all of a sudden, the coach comes over to you and, and says, Pastor Steve, I want you to go in. I want you to be our quarterback. Right? Sure, okay. He goes and he says, Bill, I want you to go in the game. And I look back at the coach and I say, Coach, that's a great idea, but not me. I messed up last week, Coach. I made a mistake last week. I don't feel qualified. I want to just throw in the towel. Don't use me. But see, here's what God's saying to every one of us tonight. It is not over. The cross qualified you, and the resurrection has given us new life. Get over it and get back in the game. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.